listening to Wake Up and Read the Labels, your guide to eating simple and feeling good. If you want to eat clean and feel your best, guess what? You're in the right place. Each week, we talk about ingredients that may be holding you back from feeling your best. We also talk to some brands that are going against the grain and actually using real ingredients we can recognize. Plus, we're sharing stories with people who are just like you, who actually woke up and read the labels. Welcome to Wake Up and Read the Labels podcast. Today, I'm going to be going live with Dr. Michelle Iona, who's a doctor of acupuncture in Chinese herb medicine, a licensed acupuncturist, and experienced clinical herbalist. So we're going to talk about the importance of food, a potential elimination diet that you can follow to pinpoint what may be triggering your symptoms. She has a company called Healing Points Acupuncture. Her mission is to unravel the mysteries behind chronic illnesses and guide her patients back to a life of health, vitality, and joy. She specializes in the treatment of challenging conditions, pain management, and women's health and fertility by applying a holistic, which is a real approach that combines the principles of Chinese medicine, nutrition, and functional medicine, all these amazing things to address the underlying causes of imbalance. So welcome, Dr. Michelle or Dr. Iona. I don't know what you want to go by. What is it? Dr. Michelle is what my patients call me. So that's great. Okay. So it sounds like you're friends with your patients, Yes, which most people don't get acclimated to their doctor that they're working with or a specialist that they're working with because that person really has no time, right? They go see them for a problem. And I know most of our audience is women between the ages of 40 and say 70. They're menopausal, postmenopausal, all these things. And they're going to spend money and time talking to their doctors or talking to specialists about these debilitating symptoms they're experiencing, but they're not getting a clear answer. So why don't you kind of introduce yourself and let us know maybe how your relationship with your patients are different? Okay. So thank you again for having me, Dr. Michelle Iona. My first appointment starts with a deep dive into someone's medical history. So it's about a one hour appointment. It's not the typical 15 minute appointment. And I think that's important to really learn about someone's medical history, right? And in Chinese medicine and functional medicine, we really look, we look at the patient as a whole. We look at their stresses, their diet, their lifestyle, hormones, Everything matters is what I say. So it's a comprehensive approach. And that first appointment really sets the guideline for a treatment plan. And yeah, that's how I start, basically. Okay. And I'm under the impression you were diagnosed with endometriosis at a young age. Is that accurate? It's half accurate, but yes. And I say half accurate because yes, you're right. It did start at an early age. It started when I was 16, but unfortunately I was not diagnosed until I was 33. So lots of doctor's appointments, lots of pain and uncomfortableness and lots of not being heard, of course. It wasn't until I was seeking more answers that I came across one of my friends at the gym mentioned why don't you come and see me? Let's look at your nutrition. Let's look at that. And there is where we uncovered really my food sensitivities and tolerances. And I remember that appointment very vividly because 
she's like, wheat, oh, it's gluten barley. And I thought, well, heck, I'm Italian. So are there any other food groups? Right. <laughs> so now I was an active 33-year-old, worked out, ate what I thought was super healthy. But unfortunately, my symptoms told me otherwise. So from there, I ended up with an acupuncturist. And that's really where my journey and passion both started for acupuncture and nutrition, because that's when I really began to, to heal. And so that's what you're practicing now to help heal others, right? Absolutely. Beautiful. So I'm excited to dive into how those things help and how one can start to get that help. But first, I heard you say you were eating wheat, barley, and oats, thinking you were healthy. Why was that not a healthy food? And what did those foods do to your gut? So, I mean, I think it's different for everyone. I think that's really important, of course, you know, and not everybody, some people can tolerate a little bit of it. But for me, I was sensitive to those. So it really contributed to my inflammation, really. And I not only had endometriosis, but I also had IBS. And so once I eliminated those foods, my gut was really able to start to heal between my changing my diet. And then of course, naturally doing acupuncture, you know, addressed everything, inflammation, stress. And there were a lot of questions naturally when you're told you can't eat what you think is everything. <laughs> yeah. So if you have to eliminate wheat, barley and oats, what were you eating then? Because like you said, you felt like that was all the food groups. And there's a lot of people out there that I deal with who have what I call leaky guts or inflamed guts. And that's the first yes. thing I tell them to get rid of because those foods have been shown to promote inflammation. And I give them options of what else to eat. So I'm curious what you do. I do the exact same thing, of course. And naturally, I always tell patients, the less you eat out of a box, the healthier you will always be. Of course, it's impossible to avoid some things that are packaged, but my I'm a food first approach kind of practitioner because I've seen the tremendous healing, not only for myself, but just for my patients over the last 23 years. So yes, fruits and vegetables and lots of protein and fiber, nuts, seeds, and lots of good anti-inflammatory oils like avocados and coconut oil and olive oil, you know, all the good oils, of course. Yeah. It's like, Hey, all the things that you're forgetting about, instead of focusing on those four foods, let's focus on the 40 that maybe you've been neglecting for way too long. Exactly. And I think, you know, back when I was at that point, I think gluten-free wasn't really a thing that was talked about as much as it is today. And I also think the, the gluten-free foods at that time, again, nothing compared to what we have today. So I think it's a big difference and makes it a lot easier for patients today that are coming up with these challenges and are looking to say, okay, I'm ready to do this, but what do I do next? Mm -hmm. and, and I think it makes it easier. Okay. And so I know it's your goal and your mission to help them uncover their root cause of their symptoms by blending traditional Chinese medicine and functional medicine. Do you mind breaking those down for listeners? Like what is traditional Chinese medicine and then what is functional medicine? So traditional Chinese medicine has been practiced for thousands of years and it encompasses a lot of different modalities, acupuncture, Chinese herbs, cupping, gua sha, qigong, tai chi, 
And we really look at where the imbalance lies in the body. And so we look at environmental, we look at emotional, we, again, it's very similar to functional medicine, right? Because functional medicine is a biology-based system that looks for the root cause. And then obviously it also asks the question, but why? It's not like, okay, you have celiac here, take this medicine and then go about your day. It says, okay, so what is contributing to the inflammation? How can we heal your gut? And that's the beauty of functional medicine. Chinese medicine is similar. We do take into account um, nutrition and we base it according to different constitutions in Chinese medicine. So a little bit different, but I think they're very similar in nature because they both ask the question why and where is the imbalance and how best can we be proactive to get any symptom or disease, illness under control and or reversed. Okay. That reminds me, I want to dive into this topic, celiac, because you mentioned it and it really is on the rise. And I just looked up, what is the percentage of people? This is a general study, but it looks like Experts estimate about 2 million people in the United States have celiac and about 1% of people around the world have celiac. So my question is, why does as many as 1 in 133 Americans may have celiac? Like, why is this on the rise and what do we need to know about celiac? So celiac, as you likely know, is an autoimmune disorder, right? And it's a genetic condition and attacks the immune system and can affect, obviously, the small intestine. There are a lot of symptoms. A lot of people, um, a lot of my patients over the years don't even know they have it. And one of the reasons I think is because they're not sure. They think they have to actually have the digestive complaints, but there are a host of other symptoms that go along with it, right? There's anemias, there's osteoporosis, there's rashes, there's a lot of different conditions that come with celiac. So why do I think it's on the rise? I I think, listen, I think it's environmental. I think, of course, there's a genetic uh, predisposition. And then naturally, the amount of food that people eat and the quality of the food that they eat trigger that immune reaction. I'm sure a lot of our listeners suffer from just there's a little bit of symptoms. You had mentioned rashes, things like that. But I know a lot of them suffer from chronic illnesses such as heartburn, Crohn's, inflammation, rheumatoid arthritis, Hashimoto's, IBS. Let's begin. Where these people who are experiencing all this, where do they start when they do want to heal themselves as opposed to going to traditional route and just get some prescription to like mask the symptoms? How would you guide them? I always, listen, I think it's always best to seek help, right? Find yourself a functional medicine practitioner, find yourself an acupuncturist, start with a practitioner that is well-versed in what you're seeking help with, right? And then there they can guide you to get any additional testing that might be necessary. But I think it's hard to self-diagnose no matter how how knowledgeable a person may be, right? It's hard to be objective. And I think what I hear a lot with patients is that they, oh, it's just my fibromyalgia. It's not anything else. Or I think it's this, but it's it's nothing to worry about. To me, my approach is be proactive, not reactive. And I think that's really what I would say is start and ask for help. 
Okay. And how do they know if a functional medicine doctor is qualified? Like, is it just every functional medicine doctor or is there something they should be looking for? Well, the Institute for Functional Medicine does list a list of providers, but of course, not everybody studies with the Institute for Functional Medicine, right? And there can be great functional medicine practitioners that haven't done that particular program. So one place is that they can look there. I think, again, it's best to look at someone's credentials, look if they've helped people with the symptoms that you're having, right? I mean, if you're a woman and you're looking for help with gut issues, find someone that's well-versed in that. Okay. Now, I know you dive into the elimination diet in your practice. Is that something you do with everyone? And if so, or if not, I do want to break down what that process looks like. Sure. So no, it's not something I do with everyone, although I'm passionate about it because I've seen the transformation when people do it. The beauty of the elimination diet, again, it's a short three-term, three-week plan. And really, we take out all of the common allergens. And when we do that, we allow the gut and the measure of inflammation to be decreased, right? And then it's not about the elimination of the foods. It's more about the reintroduction and how your body reacts. And I think that is equally as important as taking the foods out because that's where you're going to learn, oh, I didn't realize corn was bothering me or there's so many different symptoms. It's hard to determine is it from a food that you ate or, or is it? So when they, when they are eliminating things, like what are the main allergens they're eliminating and what does you know, a typical meal look like when they're in the elimination process? So again, all whole foods, nothing out of a box, of course. We take out the common allergens, dairy, wheat, gluten, soy. We do take out red meat, caffeine. And there are several other ones. Of course, if someone has like high histamine issues, we take those out as well. If someone has like arthritis, we might take out some additional foods. So it's tailored. I mean, there's a structure plan, but then of course you tailor it to the patient's complaints and what you think might be going on. Okay. And do people really struggle with this process or is it something they look forward to? I think what's great about the plan is that truthfully, it comes with menus, it comes with a sample meal plan, and it comes with my guidance, of course. So I'm always there to support them, you know, during that phase, especially the three weeks. I think the first week is challenging depending on what they're eating to begin with, right? If you get someone who's a fast food person and that's their, their lifestyle, it's more about prepping them and supporting them to figure out, okay, how do I do this, right? I think the recipes help and we have check-ins, of course, throughout the three-week period. Okay, so I always tell my clients like, hey, the cleanest way to be, the best way to be is no labels. It really is that like everybody... Even children know that. Hey, you guys, what's the most healthy plate that you can build? Oh, fruits, vegetables, meat, and fish. Like if you shop the perimeter of the grocery, for the most part, eliminating all the dairy and all that, you'll be fine. You can elevate and get healthier by choosing all organic and worry about, you know, is stuff in season to get better nutrition, yada, yada. But what we do here at Wake Up is we help people realize that like, you can still make lasagna. You can still have tacos. You can still have a chocolate chip cookie, but you're not using refined sugars, inflammatory oils, or gut-wrenching flours, no preservatives. And so I'm curious to know, 
what your opinion is if you did get someone that's buying foods filled with refined sugars, you know, canola oil, white and wheat flours that are super refined and preservatives, and you remove that and they're still eating, say, labels, but it's made with all real ingredients. Do you think they're going to find relief in their symptoms just by eliminating that stuff? Absolutely. Right. I mean, again, less is more, right? Less ingredients is better. The food that you eat from its most natural state is always better as well. Absolutely. And I think sometimes if they can get to nothing out of a box, as I say, then it's exponentially better. (laughs) Yeah. And that's kind of how I, I guess, coach people. It's like, hey, listen, eat what you have been eating, but let's make that clean. Because it's a lot easier to get somebody to go from not clean yogurt to clean yogurt or a not clean cookie, not clean bread, clean bread, clean cookie. And then all of a sudden they see and feel the inflammation go down. They're having less cravings. All of a sudden their body is craving real food. So it's a lot easier of a transition to like move into eating real food. Now I tell people like you've evolved. Maybe, maybe you want to see if you like to fast. Maybe you want to see if you can eat raw. Maybe you want to see if you can eat all real food. So how do you feel about beans when healing your gut? Well, again, I think beans naturally can contribute to more inflammation, right? So especially for people that have, again, autoimmune and in the process of trying to heal their gut, I think it's best to leave them out, you know, uh, at least for that time period. And then, of course, you can try and reintroduce them, not so much with someone with an autoimmune condition, but for other patients who don't have autoimmune, like, do I think beans are bad overall? No. Do I think any one food is bad? Of course not, right? I think the beauty of functional medicine and Chinese medicine is that we look at the patient as an individual, right? There's no set guidelines. It really depends on how the patient presents and what their symptoms are. And healing the gut, I would say yes, of course. Okay. And what about, how do you feel about dairy? I'm curious. Well, dairy, you know, I, I, drum roll. I know there's so much uh, controversy over dairy. I am not a dairy proponent, especially Chinese medicine. We say it creates more dampness and can contribute to any kind of cyst nodules, things like that for certain people, of course. I think if you're going to do dairy, of course, I always advocate for the cheeses that are aged over nine months or more as raw as possible. And again, as infrequent as possible for some people and for some people, not at all. Right. I mean, I think a lot of my patients struggle with eliminating dairy. I think a lot of people do were brought up to believe that milk is good and we should be having it, but it doesn't work for everybody. For sure. And so now that we're talking about all these kind of foods that can promote inflammation. Let's leave some listeners with what are five foods to stock up on this fall? Ah, fall. So again, organic, local, and in season is our first go-to. So here on Long Island right now, of course, it's the squashes, the pumpkins, all of that good stuff, the cruciferous vegetables, you know, broccoli, cauliflower, all of that. Pumpkin seeds are great. Ginger, I love this time of year because of its antiviral, antibacterial, anti-inflammatory effects. So I have my patients often make a fresh herbal tea with the ginger, and that's just a good way to help bring down inflammation. So you make tea with ginger? I do. I love it. 
Tell me about that. What's in it? How you do it? So I basically get the ginger root. I peel it, shave it, all that good stuff. And then I boil it into a tea. I add a little cinnamon at the end. And then I, I tell patients to make enough for three days, basically, that you can store in, you know, like a mason jar, of course. And then each time they go to have a cup, you can add some lemon. And for some people that like to add a little bit of honey. I like it. And so you can drink it hot or cold? I prefer it hot. Again, Chinese medicine doesn't advocate for anything iced or cold, especially in the fall season, because as we start to get into the cooler weather, at least here, we want to start migrating to more cooked vegetables, roasted vegetables, and warming foods, right? Gone is the time of the cold salads and the smoothies for people, at least in the Northeast. Okay. I love it. It's feeling like fall over here. Okay. Let's dive into (laughs) acupuncture. I have to tell you, I've done acupuncture, I guess, three or four times in my life. And it's something I really want to commit to. But when I was doing it, I probably needed it the most. My stress was at like all time high. It's the busiest I've ever been. And it's just when I was in there, I couldn't actually unplug from the stress. So it just added more stress on to me. But can you tell us about acupuncture? Maybe give us one common myth that you can debunk. Well, that it's a placebo, right? We often hear, well, just if you believe it works, then it works. And we know that's not true. We know there are plenty of studies on acupuncture for morning sickness, for different conditions that prove that it does work, right? So that's probably the most common. Second most common is it hurts and it really doesn't hurt. (laughs) So those are probably two of the most common. Okay. And acupuncture is something that you're using at your office, like so you're only dealing with patients, it sounds like, that that comes in to see you because you're having to treat them with acupuncture, yes? Yes, I do offer uh, several different services. One is acupuncture. I am an herbalist as well. So naturally for patients that I feel will benefit from herbs, I use herbs. Recently, I started doing two new services or added two new services. One is uh, called SAT, and it's an auricular acupuncture treatment for allergies. And another is frequency-specific microcurrent. And that's those are the two new services that I'm loving and getting really great results with. Okay, so you're also, you say herbalist, you prescribe people real, and I say prescribe might be the wrong word, but you tell people to eat real herbs. It's not in pill form. It's like real fresh. No. So if we were to do raw herbs, they would cook them and they would brew them into a tea, right? A decoction is what we would call it. Thankfully, we have herbal places where we can purchase it already cooked because it's lab- there's a lot of labor involved in cooking and the smell and no one likes to taste it. So I have a range from cooked herbal decoctions to pills, capsules, tea pills, There's a host of ways that you can take herbs. Okay. Are there any one or two herbs that everyone should be taking? Uh, No. No. Okay. (laughs) And I say no just because, again, not every herb, herb is medicine, right? The same way food is medicine. And some herbs, you know, people think, oh, I'm just going to take ginseng. But if that type of ginseng that you're taking is too warming for your constitution, then that's not going to work for you and might create more issues. Okay. So I guess my last question for you, 
let's go to a personal question. What is something in your life, a wake up moment that it was a pivotal moment in your life. You remember it and it changed your either professional life or your personal life. So that was definitely my story because of my endometriosis. And when I first started to change my diet and went to acupuncture, my life did a complete 360. My IBS symptoms went away. My energy came back. I really felt alive again. And I think the one thing I was confused about was how come people don't know about this? Hmm. Like this is a whole system of medicine between the nutrition component and the acupuncture back then it wasn't heard of, right? And I'm talking, when I say back then, it was probably 30 years ago almost. And so it wasn't talked about. So that was my aha moment, like, oh, I can heal and I have what it takes to heal. Yeah. It's just when you go to doctors, it was take the Anaprox, take the Motrin. There were no answers that were given. So I was obviously pleasantly surprised to hear that I could do that. How many acupuncture sessions did that take to five relief? Honestly, at the time I went to acupuncture, I had thrush and I was probably at one of my lowest points because of how I felt with thrush. And my tongue after one session started to change. And I remember incessantly looking at my tongue because that's one of the things you do in Chinese medicine to assess a person is take their tongue and pulse, right? Um, among other things. And I noticed like within the next day, my tongue coating was significantly better. My energy started to come back. So that was my aha moment. This is going to work. Beautiful. That's what started my journey, right? <laughs> yeah, that is so beautiful. Well, thank you for sharing this information, Dr. Michelle. Everybody, you can go check her out on Instagram at points. ACU. We'll also link that beneath the podcast and her website. This information has been super knowledgeable and hopefully it just gives people another perspective and awareness that if you do experience some symptoms, there are there is relief in nutrition in addition to acupuncture and herbals. So yes. I appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Thank you. You have a great day. You too. Thanks for listening to this episode of Wake Up and Read the Labels. If you like this episode, guess what? We want you to share it. We'd love that. Share it with a friend and leave us a review. You can subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or really wherever you're listening to your podcast. For more information, visit us at wakeupandreadthelabels.com. Hold up. 